I am so happy to be back this week. Uh, like I said, I am still feeling a little coffee, so this let's go ahead and lower this a little bit, John, way down here, so y'all don't go deaf. Um, <coughs> yeah, uh, it, is, it is good to be back. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how uh, I think that the enemy is he's scared of what's happening in this room. Uh, he's scared of the, this series that we're on, and he's scared of the growth that we're taking. Uh, and so he's going to do anything and everything he can to make sure that this doesn't happen or that this happens and you don't get to hear it or that you don't get to, to soak it in. Uh, and so, again, I just want to encourage you to take advantage of the tools that this church offers. Uh, we're, we're averaging, I think this is right, I think we're looking at over 200 people that are watching the service online every week, uh, which is amazing. Uh, so if you, if you aren't able to make it in, uh, watch it online or, or watch the podcast uh, later. But as, as Jim aforementioned, it's okay to scoot up to the front <laughs> so that people on Facebook don't think I'm just in here by myself. No, there are people in here. Um, <coughs> yeah, so, so uh, don't let the enemy uh, keep you from being here and keep you from taking steps. Uh, he wants us to take steps backwards, uh, but we're trying to take steps forwards, and so he's getting scared. Um, let's recap what we've talked about so far in this series on the armor of God. The first week we talked about the belt of truth. Uh, We talked about the Word of God being our authenticator in our life, being the standard by which we live. Um, So in every situation and everything that comes comes about, we run it under the light of God's Word to see what is truth and what is not, to see what is Him and what is not uh, in everything, in every decision, in every belief, in the way that we vote, in the way that we talk, in the way that we live. We have all truth. And we run everything under the light of the truth, and that's how we determine what is God and what is not. We also talked about how the word of God, the belt of truth, is imperative to holding the rest of the armor together. If we don't have ourselves immersed and soaked in the word of God, then the rest of the armor can't stay on. The rest of it, we we can't even understand the rest of it because it's all based in the word of God. And then two weeks ago, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about the fact that righteousness is less about acts and is more about identity. It's less about us taking the correct steps and doing all the right things. It's more about us knowing who and whose we are, and that will then inherently affect us taking the right steps and making the right decisions. (coughs) We talked about how the quickest way for the enemy to get you, is to confuse your identity. Because what happens is what's on the inside affects what's on the outside. What you believe will affect how you live. And so we talked about we have to know and believe our identity as righteousness in order for our lives to be righteous and in order for that to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. Today, if you're taking notes, we are talking about the shoes of the gospel of peace. Uh, it also is called the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace or the readiness of the shoes of peace. Shoes and peace is what we need to know. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. 
<coughs> and we were actually going to go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And this is where we've been this whole series where we're going to keep staying. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, shoes are something I think we take for granted. Uh, I am a, a young male. I have four pairs of shoes. That's it. I have these. I have boots. I have shoes that I fish in. And then I have tennis shoes. Okay? That's it. Those are my four pair of shoes. If you walked into my mother's closet today, I really hope she's not watching <laughs> on Facebook. If you walked in, you would see hundreds, dare I say thousands of pairs of shoes. Like just, and it's just for everything. It's like, oh, no, you don't need to wear those for that. That's for this other thing. Like, what? I don't know. I have these. <laughs> these are treating me well. But we have all these different shoes for all these different occasions, and you want to make sure you wear the right shoe for the right occasion. So if you're going hiking or, or you're even just taking a walk, you're not really going to want to do that in high heels, okay? I, I have hiked the Grand Canyon uh, 17 miles, and if I would have done that in high heels, well, okay, I wouldn't be wearing high heels, period. But if I had done that and I was wearing high heels, I would have died. It was terrible, okay? I was in the right shoes, and it was terrible. But you have to make sure you're wearing the right shoes for the right occasion, okay? Basketball players, if they wear football cleats on the basketball court, A, they will lose, <laughs> and B, the court will also lose because of how it will be afterwards, okay? Ice skaters, if you're not wearing skates... You're not going to skate. You will just stand still. So you have to make sure that you wear the right shoes at the right time, and you have to make sure that you're wearing shoes when you need to be wearing shoes. When we first moved into our house in Abilene, uh, it was kind of unfinished, and so there was this, where the door frame was supposed to be, uh, nails sticking out. Middle of the night, I'm just roaming around, apparently in my sleep. I think I was getting a water or something. And I go and I step straight on those nails. I have never screamed so loud in my whole life. And, and I was young and just tears and just like, end of the world, no. And it was, it was terrible. It was horrible. <coughs> but I could have been prepared for that. Not that you always have to wear shoes in your house, but you know that the house is unfinished. And there's going to be stuff like this happening. I should have been walking around at least looking and probably wearing some kind of house shoe or something to, pr to protect my feet. We take our shoes at, for advantage. Uh, if, if you did not have shoes, you would be very, very aware of that fact. When it's time to go to work in the morning and you leave without shoes, you would know in about three seconds. 
because you would step out in your garage or in your driveway and you'd be like, oh no, <laughs> this is cold or this is hot or there's a piece of glass. You just would know. <coughs> and so shoes protect us from the dangers of walking around barefoot. But shoes also enable us to do things that we normally wouldn't be able to do, like the Grand Canyon. If you're not wearing the right shoes, you're not going down the Grand Canyon, and you're definitely not coming back up the Grand Canyon. You have to be wearing the right stuff. So now we think about it in terms of a soldier, in terms of what they are going to be picturing in their mind as they're reading this. <coughs> shoes in, or, or, or the boots that they would be picturing were about half boots. They'd go up about halfway up your leg. And they had like spikes sticking out of the bottom. Not like cleats, not like little, little dinky things, but like spikes coming out of the bottom of these. Because they're wanting to make, again, they're holding 70 pounds of armor. And so they're wanting to A, advance, but they're also wanting to be able to just stand firm. When they're being attacked, as they're holding their 70 pounds of armor, they're wanting to be able to stand firm. And they're going to be walking through some difficult stretches, okay? We have cars. So when, I, when it's time for me to come to Kwana on a Sunday morning, it does take me two hours, but if I walked, it would take me like a year. I'm a slow walker. I would never make it, especially if I was not wearing shoes, okay? These people, these soldiers are walking hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles on sand, on burning hot sand, through like all these different, you know, storms, all these different things, they're having to make their way through. They had to make sure they had the right shoes on because their life and the war depended on it. If they were not wearing the right shoes, they wouldn't make it. They just wouldn't. <coughs> And you wouldn't be able to take any steps forwards at all. And you would hardly be able to stand still. The only place you could go is backwards. And so, <clears throat> without wearing whatever these shoes or boots of peace are for us, we know we will not be able to take any steps forwards, and we definitely will not be able to maintain our ground. The only place that we'll be able to go is backwards. And the enemy, the enemy likes to do this thing like put little nails on the ground. You know, he likes to put little stuff on the ground so that we, you know, we'll just, we're just not paying any attention. And boom, we've stepped right on something. And boom, oh, this is happening. And boom, oh, this is happening. So it's so important that we're wearing the shoes. And it's important that we wear them so that we can step forward, but that we can also maintain our ground. So now we have to figure out what is the gospel of peace? The shoes of the gospel of peace. Well, the term gospel means good news. And there is a lot of good news that we could find in the Bible, but this is specifically talking about peace. Now, something that's interesting that, that the Bible talks about, we're going to turn into John uh, chapter 14. Jesus at this point uh, is, is talking with his disciples. He's knowing that he's about to, uh, to, about to leave. John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I, live, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I think often one of the tactics of the enemy, see the enemy, he cannot keep you out of heaven once you have accepted Christ. Okay, he can't. When you say with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you've made it. Okay, then you get to begin the process of becoming one with God. The enemy cannot keep you at that point out of heaven. But what he can do is make you live like hell. You can be in the gates of heaven and still living like hell. And the good news of the gospel is that the gospel is not just for heaven, but Jesus wants you to leave, live with the peace that he left. He wants you to live in heaven on earth. We don't have to just make it to heaven. We can bring heaven down. And so the good news of the peace of God. How many, how many of you know that, that we need some peace in our world right now? It is a mess. It is a mess. And, and I, I'm not saying peace in terms of lack of war. I think you can not be at war and still not be peaceful. I think the opposite of peace if we're looking at it in, in, in this term, I think the opposite of peace is things like worry. It's things like fear. It's things like anxiety. Man, it would be so nice if we could live without anxiety, if we could live without worrying about what's coming up next, if we could live without fearing what's coming up. But that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Again, once we've said yes to Jesus, once our hearts have become to believe in him, he can't keep us out of heaven. But he can keep us living in hell, which is why he brings things like anxiety and fear and worry because it consumes us. We are consumed by these things. And it's very hard to take any steps forward when we are consumed by worry, when we're consumed by anxiety, consumed by fear. Jesus didn't just come to save you from your sins. He did definitely come to do that. But he also came so that your life on earth could resemble heaven. Your life on earth can resemble heaven. It doesn't have to look like hell. I think often it's like, even me, this is a thought that I battle. It's like, oh, there's so much darkness, there's so much darkness, and I'm just, you know, we're just kind of immersed in it. But we actually get to come and change the atmosphere and change what's around us. And so when we're walking into situations and we're feeling anxious and we're feeling we're worried and, and, and fearful, we actually can come and change that. We don't have to live like that. The world doesn't have to look the way that it does. We can, we can change that. The enemy cannot take... Christ from you. Faith, our faith, is supposed to be transformative. And so how, how this looks <coughs> is, again, kind of like we talked about last week or, or two weeks ago. We transform and we change from the inside out. We can transform and change from the inside out. I don't know that we've ever actually experienced the peace of God that he talks about. In Romans chapter 5, you don't have to turn here, but in Romans chapter 5, 
verse 9. He says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be freed from his life? So we were saved when he died, but how much more free can we be just by him living in us? And this is where the term peace, I think, is, is, is very hard to even think about because we don't even really know what it's like to live without anxiety, what it's like to live without worry, what it's like to live without fear because we've done it for so long. Peace, defining peace. Peace is a calmness in your soul. I would love to feel some calmness in my soul. I would love for all of us to feel some calmness in our souls. You know, we, things just happen, and it just keeps building, and it's building, and it's building, and it feels like we can't take anymore. And we just, it feels like we're just getting lower and lower and lower because we can't handle it. We don't have to live that way. And, you know, the Bible talks about in, in, in uh, oh, no, I can't remember, Philippians 4. It talks about God wants to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. What that means is that God wants to give you a peace that in the middle of the mess, you're still singing. In the middle of the mess, you're still on your knees worshiping. In the middle of everything, we're standing firm. Everything else is shaking around us. Everything else is moving. We're standing firm. Everything else is chaos. Everything else is mass chaos, and we're still coming and we're worshiping Jesus. And, and it won't make sense. That's why it's a peace that surpasses understanding, because when we're in it, it will not make sense, and it won't make sense to the outside, and it definitely won't make sense to us. When everything is going wrong, just lost a job, and we're still like, God, you're good. I trust you. When, when, when people are sick, when family members are passing away, God, I trust you. You're good. And there's a peace in your soul. That is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's the peace that is the good news that Jesus came so that you could have. When the world is falling apart and you are not falling apart, you have the peace that surpasses all understanding. If peace is not your normal way of operating, you're out of step with the Holy Spirit. If peace is not your normal way of operating, you're out of step with the Holy Spirit. There are absolutely going to be moments of worry. There are absolutely going to be moments of anxiety and fear. We are human, and we will not be completely sanctified and completely pure until we are in heaven. But on earth, our normal way of operating should be peace. Our normal way of operating should be peace. If worry and fear and anxiety and the other kind of things that are the opposite of peace, if that's what you're always living in, then you can know you're not wearing your shoes. You're not wearing the right shoes. You might be wearing the shoes that, you know, the house shoes and you're going to climb the Grand Canyon. No, false, don't do it. There's a right pair of shoes and it's the shoes of peace. And we're going to talk about how we put that on. Again, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, peace I give to you, my peace I leave to you. Jesus is beginning to contrast his peace versus worldly peace, okay? The world can give you momentary peace. 
It can happen in, in the form of alcohol. It can happen in the form of, of, of drugs. It can happen in the form of addictions. Even food. Oh, my goodness. Man, I love comfort food. Let me tell you what. Every Sunday when I'm driving back to Abilene, I stop in Benjamin at the Allsup's. All right? Man, I need to stop doing it. I confess now. But those Allsup's burritos are so good. And I get like 15 or 16 of them, and we're just going to town the whole way back. I need to stop. But if that's becoming my comfort, then I'm doing something wrong because that is a momentary comfort. The burritos always end. (laughs) There is always an end to the burrito. And Jesus is coming and saying, there is a peace that won't end. And it's me, and I'm giving it to you, but you have to take it. A burrito, although they are delicious, is not going to help me find the peace that I need. Drugs are not ever going to help you find the peace that you need. Momentarily, they will. Momentarily, you will feel good. But it won't ever get you all the way there. And the the peace that, again, Jesus is contrasting. Worldly peace can often be understood. You can understand, oh, well, he's, he's, you know, he's smoking weed. That's why he's that happy. That's why he's that free. That's that. That makes sense. But then there's the peace that surpasses all understanding when all this stuff is going wrong and you're still worshiping. That's the peace that we're talking about. The main difference in what the Lord brings, the peace that Jesus brings, and the peace that the world brings is that the world wants to change you outside in and give you peace that way. And Jesus wants to change you inside out and give you peace that way. Again, we talked about this last week. True change happens inside out. And in the same way, the peace of your soul and the peace of your spirit can affect the peace of your body. We're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so sanctification. Us, we are, we are, we are being sanctified, okay? Uh, the Bible talks about earlier that once you accepted Jesus, your spirit is saved. Okay, your spirit is saved. We are still living in a human body, though. And so throughout our lives, we are in a process of sanctification. Spirit, then soul, then body. Spirit, then soul, then body. When you accept Christ, your spirit is saved. Your spirit, as we talked about last week, is righteous. But your soul and your body have to come in partnership with that, have to come in agreement with that. And so peace is a part of the sanctification process. The reason we can't find peace is because we're looking for peace on the outside and hoping that that's going to help us in the turmoil that's happening inside. And that's the opposite of how it's supposed to happen. We are sanctified inside 
out. If your body isn't finding peace, it means there's a problem somewhere in your soul or in your spirit. If your body, if, if we're walking around and we're worrying and we have anxiety and we're trying to solve all these different things and we can't rest, we can't sleep at night, there might be something in our soul that's needing to come into agreement with what's already happened in our spirit. Jesus freed your spirit. Your spirit is peace. There is genuinely no anxiety. There is no worry. There is no fear in heaven. And when you said yes to Jesus, heaven infected your spirit. The problem is now, how do we get our soul and our body to agree with what God has already done in our spirit? When there's worry, worry and anxiety in our soul, there's going to be worry in the body. So the spirit already has the peace of God. And it's the spirit's goal and job to release that peace into our soul, and then into our body. So the reason that we don't have peace is because somewhere the soul is arguing with the spirit. See, our soul is things that, that are affected by the outside world. Our soul is things that is affected by what's going on around us. It's the reason that you'll see somebody and then like won't see them again for eight months, and then when you see them again, they're a completely different person. Like, they, they don't even, they might look the same, but their personality has changed. Their habits have changed. It's because something has affected their soul. Our souls can be affected from the outside in. But it needs to be affected by the Spirit, which has already been saved and sanctified by Jesus. In order for the soul to release the peace to the body, it has to agree with the peace that's already in the Spirit. <laughs> so what happens is our earthly body, our earthly soul has to at some point begin to make a decision to begin to believe and trust in the peace that is the Holy Spirit. There is peace written all over this. There is peace written all throughout this. There is peace that that doesn't make sense in all of this. We talked about a month and a half ago about Job, about Job's going through all these terrible situations. At the very end of it, he tears his clothes off, falls on his knees, and worships the Lord. That's a piece that surpasses understanding if I've ever heard it. And so what we do when we get in these situations is we have to make a decision. Am I going to choose to worry? Am I going to choose to fear? Am I going to choose to walk in anxiety? Or am I going to choose to soak myself, wash myself in the peace that God already promised me? We can sit and see things like all of his plans are good. It's hard to believe sometimes that all his plans are good. We can say that. It is. There's things that happen in our life that it's hard to look at and say, yeah, this is good. Or, you know, there's verses that say the Lord's going to turn everything beautiful in its time. It is hard to see that. It's hard to look at our situations and think somehow God's going to turn this into something beautiful, but he always does. And so when we get to these situations where we have a choice to make, am I going to worry? Am I going to be fearful? Am I going to walk in anxiety? We can get to these moments and we can say, no, all his plans are good. And we can tell our soul, we can tell ourself to come into agreement with what's already happened. Because what already happened is 
Peace came. But it's a gift. And a gift means you have to take it. If I walked up to you and handed you a Christmas gift, also it's March, so that would be weird, but if I walked up to you and handed you a gift, you would have no idea what it was. You would have no idea if you wanted it unless you opened it. You, would, you could throw it in the closet and never use it. You could throw it, you know, under the tree. If, you, if your Christmas tree is still up, it's March, okay, folks? But you know what I'm saying? You have to open it. It is a gift that's given. Peace is a gift that's given. But it's something that we have to choose. It's something that we have to actively walk in. And so when situations come up, we have a choice to make. Am I going to be anxious? Am I going to worry? Am I going to be fearful? That's the, e that's the easiest way. It's always easier to choose that. Or am I going to wash myself in what the Lord said and the gift and the peace that he already gave me? Wearing the shoes of the gospel of peace means that we're walking and when we reach the nails that are in the ground, when we reach wherever it's, whenever it gets difficult, when we're hitting sand, when we're hitting a storm, we, we dig our little cleats, we dig our little shoes in, and we say, no, I believe in the peace. I believe in the peace that Jesus gave me, and I will walk in that peace. Fear, you can get behind me. You can get behind me. I am believing in the peace that Jesus already gave me. And then you begin to, again, partnering with the belt of truth, you can begin to quote scripture. No, God's plans are good for me. All of God's plans are good for me. And then you take another step. You reach another thing. No, you know what? All of God's plans turns out good. Take another step. God wants to bless me financially. That's in the Bible. God wants to bless us financially. And we just keep taking these steps and keep believing the truth of God's word and letting that soak and become the peace in our hearts. There's going to be times where factually and, and by every standard of the world, us walking in peace is going to make no sense. Us walking in, in calmness of soul is going to make no sense. I think right now is one of those times in our world that, that when Christians are walking in in peace, when Christians are walking and speaking truth about situations, we're going to look weird. We're going to look abnormal because it's dark. But it's what we have to do in order to take steps. And it's what we have to do in order to maintain our ground. We run to the truth. We don't run to the pill. We don't run to the allsups. <laughs> we run to the truth Every time the enemy wants to take your peace, we just dig our, dig our feet in, we brace ourselves, we allow our spirit and the Holy Spirit to begin to speak the truth of the peace of God's word. My challenge this week, when thoughts, when thoughts come, when situations come up, when it seems everything is going wrong, what are you going to do? Are you going to let it push you back? Are you going to let your situations determine your views of God? Or are you going to let God determine your view of the situation? It is so, it's so easy. Even, I mean, it, it's easy for me when I get to these situations to worry, when I get to these situations to be fearful. 
And God is saying, stand firm in the peace that I gave you. The enemy wants you to worry. He wants you to have anxiety because he wants you to live like hell here. But we can bring heaven down to earth. We already did. We just have to open the gift. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful for the way that you love us. Thank you, God, that you came so that we can have peace and that we can have life. God, I pray in the, in the situations that we're struggling, in the situations where we're having a hard time finding peace, in the situations where we're having a hard time uh, uh, walking past our fear and telling our fear to get behind us, God, I pray that you would show those situations to us this week so that we can choose the peace of your word and the peace of your spirit. We can choose to know and believe the truth that's in your word, that your plans are good. You're always for us. You're fighting our battles for us. God, I pray that this week, when those thoughts come in, that we will be motivated more than ever to stand firm and to take forward steps in the peace that you gave. In Jesus' name, amen.